Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 207. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about why we are focusing our attention training on what we call high-performance shooting, or kind of the practical side of things, uh, but we're focusing on being as accurate as possible, as fast as possible, uh, so we're not leaving either of those things on the table. Yeah, and this is kind of like, this is not a new concept, right? Um, fastest, firstest, he who gets there with the mostest, firstest wins. Um, you know, and this this is a, the concept of getting enough force on what you view as your opposition, the target, the bad guy, the battlefield, whatever yeah. it may be, the first, the firstest, the fastest. You know, we're going back beyond Napoleon here. Who could get the most guys in one place on the field of battle and engage the battle, engage the enemy before they get too many guys there? Well, this is the same thing with one-on-one bullets on me. Um, you know, the Old West guys would tell you that the first guy to get a hit on meat in a gunfight was probably going to win that gunfight. Um, and more and more, we understand that, too, to the extent where the FBI, you know, as recently, you know, as 20 years, well, going back 40 years ago now, man, I'm getting old, the Platinum Maddox FBI shootout, mm-hmm. you know, started looking at the idea of, um, you know, how do we get enough rounds on the bad guy quick enough to make things happen? And so and then we pushed through to, if everybody remembers the uh, Magpul balance of speed and accuracy and, and, you know, and that mentality, and now we're pushing into the same kind of concept. It's just a different way of stating it, but it's still incredibly relevant. Uh, the reality check is the first guy that gets a good hit um, on the bad guy is probably going to win the fight. So, we're, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. It matters. Yeah, yeah it matters. Yeah, uh, kind of the, the rationale behind it, um, you know, if you're an LE guy or a mill guy, um, the more confidence you have in being able to do the work very quickly, yeah, um, gives you an extra second or two. You may have to be able to de-escalate something, oh, or think, or or think, or think yeah. um, process what's going on, see see the weapon, or see the not weapon, or whatever, um, you know, whatever that may be, to give you time to process what's going on, or give you time to beat the bad guy to the shot, or give you time to let the bad guy realize he's been beaten already and should stop. You know, I can remember, um, you know, back in the day, you know, guys talking about, you know, why SWAT tactics? Why do police agencies have SWAT teams? Because you have certain people who want to fight, but if you can show up with enough force fast enough, um, let's let's present a face that makes the Mark One Mod Zero bad guy not want to fight because he knows he's going to lose. And if you're a police officer or your soldiers on top of that game, maybe somebody decides not to fight that day. And maybe, you know, and that's that's a win for everybody, right? Kind of mentality. Yeah. Same thing with the civilian. I think if a civilian can present enough force fast enough appropriately that maybe we can convince, you know, all but the most determined bad guy that, hey, this was a failure in the victim selection process and I don't want to fight or or even better, I want to go completely away and not be here. Um, that, that's a win, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, guys, we talk about, training and, and time spent and stuff like that. And I think that when you get into certain communities, things like qualifications, courses of fire for qualifications and stuff like that, for a time were conflated as training. And hopefully, I don't think that's the case anymore, um, that you know anybody views a qual as training at this point. I'm sure there are people out there who still, still think that way, but I don't think there's very many of them left. Um, you know, There's also this realization that, you know, oh, I shot a great score on my qual, but you had all day to do it. And that's kind of, this is like the opposite end of that spectrum where we talk about shoot your best qual score so that it looks good. Um, do you get paid more to get it, you know, to get that higher, you get paid more if you get that higher qual score, et cetera. And, and then can we push that? Because 
being effective on target faster is going to win the fight, not standing around like you're at Camp Perry on the 50-meter line shooting your 1911 at a bullseye, or you have all day to do it. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a different kind of thing. And my big concern, and I think to something that we've seen that, that law enforcement trainers are, are trying to rectify, uh, military trainers for sure are trying to rectify, um, you know, whether they have the skills or the curricula to do it, the programming's been done or not. And then on the civilian side of the house is the idea um, that, that there's, there's urgency there. So we, we don't, I don't want to teach somebody how to slow fire a handgun at this stage of the game. Um, you know, you've got basic side alignment and trigger press down. I don't want to spend very much time at all getting somebody beyond that point where they're effective on the target slow fire. I want to almost immediately progress to how do you get the gun out quickly, get good hits on target quickly, not just hits on target, but good hits on target quickly. And I think the mentality around how you spend your time and effort training to do that, they're two vastly different things and putting a sense of urgency into everything is it's just, it's a totally different game. And it's, and I think the best place to find that right now is probably the competitor's mindset. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who are the guys you're looking at right now for high-performance shooting? Who are the guys you're going to... If I wanted to go watch a video of what high-performance shooting looks like, who do I who do I search? If I want to go YouTube it, who do I search? Oh, gee, maybe uh, Ben Stager. Oh, my gosh. No. Once a Kim. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt Pranka, Mike yeah, Pannone. X-Ray Alpha, Pannone. I mean, and any number of people. <laughs> There's a boatload of them out there. I mean... I mean, any pick your local GM USPSA shooter. You know, I mean, we've got a couple guys here. I think uh, the dude that works uh, up advances, Andrew Hyder. You know, go, go Google some videos from some of these local dudes and watch them shoot a match. A lot of them are posting their performance and stuff like that up on social media because they're sponsored shooters and stuff like that. Um, go, go see what the, that's what high performance shooting looks like. You're probably not going to see a video of a dot mill guy doing high performance shooting. Um, the dudes, um, not because they can't do it or don't yeah. do it, because it's not released. It's classified. It's 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 actions on target, right? Um, you will see recent videos over the last, say, I don't know, three to five years of high-performance shooting in the LE world if you watch some YouTube videos, because there are some guys who have been out there who have taken on um, the idea of wanting to go do USPSA, you know, something competitive that's really high-performance, that's really fast-paced as a hobby, as a backstop to their training and stuff like that, guys that are high performers that want to put the time in, then you can see some videos of some dudes showing up on scene and there's little to no hesitation. They process the situation because they've trained to visually be on top of things and and they can see what's going on, track what's going on. They can get the gun out quick or the gun's already out. And then the shots that they're making uh, are very rapid. Um, you know, and the splits on the shots are, are pretty hardcore and they're hammering the bad guy because They've trained to an extent in high-performance shooting where they have the skills. There's the, the confidence exists to just make it happen. Yeah. There are a lot of good videos out there of, of LEO guys burning it down. Um, unfortunately, there's probably just as many out there of LEO guys not having the confidence in, in doing things not that way as well. So, you know, that's kind of why we keep harping on this and keep harping on the guys that we're harping on and the modalities or training methodologies that we're harping on. Um, it, it the the idea of you're going to have all day to draw the gun, make the perfect shot, etc., before the target turns sideways on the range, is just it's simply not realistic. So you know, treat quals as quals, um, shoot your best score, that's fine. Um, but maybe maybe try pushing it. Yeah. Maybe try and you know, and I don't know if that becomes down to a situation where if you have a qual, it'd be cool if the agency doing the qual said, yeah, we're going to do this 
but the guy with the fastest high-performing time, set whatever score is, the guy with the fastest time for a high-performing qual, say if it's a 300-point NRA qual, the guy who shoots 285 the fastest, um, you know, gets a $1,000 bump. Or, or you yeah. know, I mean, something. There's got to be something. Push that yeah. and see if it makes a difference or not. Um, the dude who shoots it's thinking of $1,000 is like four cases of ammo to go practice with. Or maybe just... Yeah, that's that's the motivation right maybe, there. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know what it is, but but what's what's the you know how do you incentivize the people to do that? Because unfortunately, we know guys, you know that. I mean, I'm not spending the time I should be spending. I know you are to a large extent, and we know some guys that are trainers here locally that spend a lot of time getting here that are with local LE agencies that are spending a lot of time and a lot of ammo getting good so they can communicate it to their guys, and they have guys in their departments that are burning it down and doing it too. I it's just I'm just curious about as much the motivation or the discipline aspect of it as I am the performance aspect of it. Yeah. How do you lot, make that happen? A lot of it is <laughs> that, that mental shift to realize that like, okay, maximizing the qualification, you just shot the maximum of the minimum required performance. Bingo. Uh, yeah. And to, to look at, you know, quals as instead of everything being on a part time, but shoot it based on hit factor scoring. Yes. So number of points per second scored, yeah. uh, the higher the number, the better, Yeah, um, really changes things and puts things back into that kind of high performance context. Yes. Um, you know, if we look at a lot, I'd say almost all qualifications still come from that, you know, NRA yeah. camp parry mindset of, you know, really tight accuracy is most important. Yeah. Um, but the time, there's all the time in the world when yeah, they, you do that. And well, and the problem is, is they come <clears throat> from that, but because of you know having a lieutenant or a commander who can't shoot to save his ass, yeah. they've opened up the target zone to the size of an entire silhouette versus the X ring or the, the 10 ring or 9 ring on a bullseye. And that's where things fall apart, in my opinion. You can take a dude who, who can burn out the X ring on a target with a handgun and put him in a situation where some alacrity might be required and maybe he's going to make maybe he's going to do god's work and like what it comes immediately to mind um the hebdo thing down in texas uh mm -hmm. you had a texas dps officer on horseback with a 40 caliber smith and wesson uh freaking x-ring a bad guy at like i don't some crazy distance yeah. like 70 meters or even 40 meters whatever it was and my understanding is is that they were one-handed shots because he had the range of the horse with the other and managed to X-ring a bad guy twice at 40-plus yards, maybe further than that. Um, so he did it fast enough, apparently. Yeah. You know, uh, but I'm sure that he wasn't thinking, do-do-do-do-do-do, uh, I got 18 seconds to make these two shots, you know, before the target yeah. turns sideways. He's thinking, crap, I hope he doesn't point that AK at me, and I hope he doesn't kill anybody else before I get the shot off kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, that that dude was on it, and there I say there was a good balance of that, but that was definitely high-performance shooting at some point yeah for the distance so you know so it's kind of looking at it from that mentality uh the other thing with you know with high performance shooting being able to you got to be able to run people individually yeah um, in training because uh, the the time the actual elapsed time on the on the drill or on the stage or whatever it is mm -hmm. matters um which is i think part of the other reason why you know running big calls that are kind of forgiving yeah, um, has gotten really popular, especially with LE agencies or with dot mill stuff. Uh, is it makes it more efficient to do a big group of people because you can run them all at the same time. Sure, sure. Well, and it also you know everybody's looking for success, right? Yeah. So let's change the metrics so we get success. Well, success is defined at the end product on the street or on the battlefield. Are we beating the bad guy 
that's where success is defined. And, 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 you know, again, newer training modalities are putting people in scenarios based training and they're, they're getting the brain to go someplace where the body can go next or whatever and doing the training aspect of it, which is winning fights. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the hard skills aspect of it is what we're talking about. And, and unfortunately I think that, you know, I, I know I've heard guys say that in in a in super high performance environments, and I'm going to use again go back to military SF, or we're going to talk about like SWAT teams and stuff like that, tactical units and stuff. Um, but by and large, you, you don't you don't do PT as a team. Your PT is on your time. You show up for the game. You show up to work and do everything else because the rest of your time is spent operationally doing things that operationally operating. I don't know whatever that is. Doing the things the cool guys do. I don't know. I was a wrench turner. Yeah. But showing up and doing the things cool guys do, whether that's planning, training, bringing along new guys, or I don't know what that is, but doing the things they do, the PT's on your time. And, and to some extent, I've heard guys say, too, that shooting's on your time. If you're having issues shooting, that's not a team event to get you up to speed. You can square your own stuff away on the range on your time and figure it out and then show up ready to do work with the team kind of mentality. Um, you know, and so, I, I, I don't know, I guess I just see that that's, that's the investment that that can trickle down to civilians as well yeah but you know being in that environment and i think it'd be nice that if it you know if everybody kind of took that mentality that pt and and you know hard skills are are my job and then showing up to do work is is what i'm supposed to be doing when i'm actually at work yeah that's the homework i guess yeah 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 i'd say the <clears throat> other you know thing with going from a call it a qualification pace yeah to a you know really really aggressive splits and things there's lessons you won't be able to learn especially around grip yeah and then other mount uh, which is the same same, same thing. thing with the long gun yeah uh, that just aren't able to be learned unless you're really burning it down well you you got it it's you, you know you spend let's say you spend 90 percent of your training time at 90 percent but you still spend 20 10 percent at at 110 percent failing is where you learn what things yeah. fall apart and what things you need to work on, et cetera. And that's also that small incremental improvement. You're, you know, you, we've talked about this too. You're not gonna see, if you're solid, you're not gonna see leaps and bounds. If you have your hard skills nailed down, you won't see leaps and bounds improvements. You'll see small incremental, incremental improvements over time. Again, no different than PT. Yeah. You start you start deadlifting or squatting for the first time ever, your gains are gonna be incredible for your PRs over the first year. And then probably somewhere around eight months to a year, maybe a year and a half, things are gonna to start to level out and you're gonna get small incremental gains by being disciplined and doing the work. But you will see improvements, but at that point, you're also where you should be from a work capacity or performance standpoint, and then you're going from there. And that's what will save the day is having hard skills hammered down. And, and then, you know, we always wanna get better. I wanna be, yeah. you know, that Pat Mack can, can tomorrow's Pat Mack kick today's Pat Matt's ass, you know, Pac Matt, Pat, 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 Pac Man, Pat, yeah. Pat, Pat, Pat. Pat Max ass. <laughs> that by itself is kind of a funny comment to have in a podcast. I wonder if that'll get isolated and then put out there in social media. I, I don't Pat, know. Pat Max ass. I think we all watch his mustache more, but still, whatever. So cool. All right. That was kind of weird, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable? I some, am. <laughs> some of us have not had enough coffee yet this morning, or maybe too much. <laughs> Woo, past the sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, guys, we keep harping on this stuff. We keep harping on, you know, the high performance aspect of it and hammering hard skills. Um, but, you know, we can, there are a million quotes out there. What, what was what was our quote from uh, from Batman? Uh, we yeah. have a buddy of ours who is is a high performer at everything he does. 
Um, I just, there's no way to, there's no other way to say that. He's a high performer at everything he does. He's a high performer in business. Um, he's a high performer at home in the kitchen. He's and maybe, and maybe beyond that someday. Um, he is most of the time a high performer on the range and tries to chase that and achieve that. Um, he is a high performer in amateur sports. Uh, and he just has that mentality where he's going to grind, he's going to grind the workout and do, do the easy, you know, what, what's the quote? Yeah, so the, the quote on this was actually with a very impressive thing of eggs and bacon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> says, only those who have patience to do simple things perfectly ever acquire the skill to do difficult things easily. Yeah, yeah, which is the total opposite of a graceless display of awkward enthusiasm. You know, you come out and you want to go hard at it, but you find out you suck, so you quit. Um, versus learning the fundamentals, drilling the fundamentals, doing you know, doing the doing the easy things perfectly, and 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 that makes doing the hard things easier. You know, kind of mentality. It's just it's the exact same thing. It's no different. But that's something he does in life, and I do think that it's that discipline mentality where you just got to push through. You know, you got to do the work, and that's what'll come at the end of it. This is a lot of reps, kind of thing. No matter how you slice it. Um, but I think that should be the focus. And I think that you end up there faster than you realize, almost like you're doing anything else. And it's probably the journey that's actually the cool part because there is no end. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool yeah. Stuff. Yeah. The, the thing with the reps, uh, I know this comes up quite often in conversation at the store. Uh, if you're trying to get all your reps in at the range, um, you either have a, a massive like ammo budget ammo budget <laughs> like, a, like a Jeff Bezos level ammo, ammo budget yeah um, or you're working for one of like three places in the United States yeah uh, but for the rest yeah. of us one of them being Federal yeah. Ammunition Company right or, the other being Uncle Sugar <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking you're either you're either at the JSOC compound at Bragg yeah um, you're in Damn Neck or you're at Quantico with HRT yeah because uh, nobody else has that yeah. kind of ammo budget. Yeah, or you're or you're a sponsored shooter by yeah. one of the major manufacturers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For for everybody else, yeah. um, dry fire is where you get the reps in. Absolutely. Um, especially once you can like you spend your ammo shooting doubles, shooting practical accuracy drill. Yeah. Um, so you get a this is on the on the pistol side. Um, so you really get a feeling for what the proper grip needs to be. Uh, so you can replicate that grip and dry fire and then after that it's pretty much taking you know whatever drill or whatever course of fire you're working on kind of breaking it down you know from a splits perspective from a transitions perspective and what those times need to be yeah and then just working that stuff in dry fire to where it becomes second nature yeah um, and you can then ideally you should be able to set up the same thing on the range and go be within 10%, 10 to 15% of your dry fire time. Sure. Um, with, you know, accountability for all the rounds. But a, a part of that is the understanding, though, that you can't cheat the grip in dry fire. Yeah. Um, and and, you, and it's, it's harder to see that in dry fire, right, because you don't get multiple impacts of recoil moving. But if you're being honest with yourself about where your front sight's at or where your dot's at and stuff like that, you will yeah. see when you get tired and get loose. It'll, it'll, it'll come up. It'll come up. It'll be, it'll be a factor at some point. Um, and I would also say maybe there's a conversation around, you know, are you dry firing with a mentality for, for absolute perfection with the intensity that needs to be there? Um, you know, or are you doing it just kind of humdrumming your way through it half-assed just to get the reps in? And there's going to be a very big difference in those things. 
um, you know, shooting archery years ago when I was into that and hunted with it and stuff like that. Um, off season, I, I might I might go out and shoot a hundred arrows in a session, off season, and at some point you get tired and you you kind of you just start burning through them. Versus the mentality of you get closer to hunting season, then I'm gonna step out three times a day and shoot three arrows perfectly kind of mentality. And I do think you're a lot better as a general rule of thumb, unless you're working on grip strength and there are better ways to do it than dry fire. If you're working on grip strength, okay, fine, go grab the crunch. The, the hand crunchers or whatever yeah. and do that or grab a freaking barbell and do you do, do deadlifts or carry heavy shit or whatever yeah. kettlebells kettlebells you know whatever um but if you you know do it in small batches do it in five minute doses daily or do it in you know a couple times a day for a little bit you know if you're really into it and you're really pushing things at that point um <clears throat> but trying to do like a half an hour dry fire i, I don't i don't it, I, it doesn't work for yeah, me anyway. Yeah, ten, like five to ten minute sessions yep. sprinkled throughout the day works way better. Yeah, if you, yeah, and, 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 and honestly, a five minute session once a day is it, it, something that's way better than where you were at. But again, don't cheat the physical aspect of gripping the living crap out of the gun because that is what's going to drive things. Gripping the crap out of the gun properly. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we're back to perfect practice, not just practice. Yeah. If, you're, if your hands and forearms aren't fatigued and tired and kind of angry yeah. at the end of a 10 minute dry fire session, you're probably not gripping the pistol correctly. I would say that's true. I would say that's true. You should be smashing the gun. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, but again, high performance. Yeah. High performance, you know. Um, and then and then go from there. And, and you when you get on the range, the excitement of going from dry fire to live fire with the gun going off will wear off very, very quickly. Uh, as, as your grip starts to get tired, you will you will see it again. Mm -hmm. And and again, that's where learning occurs. That's where, okay, yeah. what do I need to modify? Do I need to take a little bit of a break between? Because I do want the reps to be as good as they can be because that's what I, I want to grease that groove, not the other one, not the wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and on and on. What's the book? Uh, yeah, the book for this is Practical Shooting Training. Uh, by Ben Stager and Joel Park. Yeah. Uh, Ben's got another book out called Dry Fire Reloaded. Yep. If you're interested in the dry fire part um, specifically, um, there is a good bit of dry fire related content in practical shooting training. And then on the long gun side, um, it's adaptive rifle. Yeah. With again Ben Stager or Ben Stager and Joel Park. Uh, yeah, those two books really are. They are the new textbook um, for practical shooting with a pistol or with a rifle yeah um if you don't have them like it's but they're each i don't know two boxes of ammo right now and cost yeah yeah you're running yeah. around 30 25 to 30 bucks depending on where you're about 27 something um on on the website on the pro shop yeah. um and and i and I, I will also say if you if you are really looking to break down dry fire, dry fire reload, it's probably great. But in general, there's enough to keep your Mark One Mod Zero average shooter happy dry fire wise in the other two books. Yep. Um, dry fire reloaded is if you maybe you live somewhere where you or you just aren't close enough to a range. That's the only opportunity you're going to have by and large. Dry fire reloaded is probably good for that. Or if you're at an exceptionally high level as a shooter, dry fire reloaded is probably good. Otherwise, you could probably just start off with the handgun book. If you're yeah. a if you're a new to intermediate level shooter <clears throat> and and i would say that i'm, I'm going to say that 95 percent of the people out there are new to intermediate shooters 
Agreed. That probably 5% yeah. of people will get something extra out of the dry fire reloaded or somebody who's just stuck with only dry fire. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that note, I don't really yeah, that, have much else to add. That's a, just keep hammering the basics. Keep hammering the fundamentals. Keep hammering the foundation. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool deal. Yeah. Uh, on that note, as we come across interesting things, we try to get them posted up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we're Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we're Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, you can also sign up for the email newsletter on that comes out on Fridays. Uh, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we'll add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Ollie's. We're directly next to Louie's Fusion Drill. Uh, we are here 10 to 5 Tuesday through Friday and then 10 to 3 on Saturdays. Uh, be aware, uh, I think this podcast will come out on, what is it, April or March uh, 30th. <laughs> Starting that day, March 30th through April, what is the 8th? Well, 9th, 10th, 11th is when we come back. Yeah, the 11th. Uh, we will have an NFA, anything Locker. to do with NFA or Class 3 stuff. And then also FFL transfers uh, will be received, will be, they will be received, or I shouldn't say they will be received. They'll be safely secured, um, but they won't actually be available, available for pickup um, until after the 11th yeah. due to some staffing stuff. Uh, so please give us patience and a little bit of advanced forgiveness uh, during that time period. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah sorry for any inconvenience, um, but we take vacation too occasionally. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. On that on that note, get out there and get out there and train hard. See ya.